Then I just hit that breaking point. And along with that breaking point was that intuitive calling of, I want to build something on my own. I really knew I wanted to just create something that was mine. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Kareen Walsh, serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, executive leadership coach, and best-selling author. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you align what you love with what you do in order to build that badass life and business you dream of. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of your Badass Journey podcast. Today, I want to help you in regards to your career. So I brought in a special guest, Emily Eliza Moyer. She is an intuitive career strategist and healer focused on helping ambitious women overcome limiting beliefs, uncover their purpose, and craft strategic career plans so they can build careers they absolutely love. Previously, she served as the head of sales and marketing for a VC-backed travel startup, leading a team of 30 remote workers based all over the world. And then this year hit. 2020 and all its changes forced Emily to really face the type of business she would love to build and launch, and that is what she is doing now. She hyper-focuses on helping you find your purpose and then aligning a career strategy in order to go after building that for yourself. Now, as you know, I've helped and coached so many people through career transitions. It was how I started my coaching practice years ago. And I love dialoguing on this with Emily because not only is she on her own startup journey right now launching this, but she's trying to make sure she navigates the most helpful and purposeful ways to help you create your career strategy, and go after it. So let's jump into today's conversation. I know you're going to love this dialogue. Emily asked me some great questions as well. And of course, as you have your takeaways, do not hesitate to connect with us. We'd just love to hear from you and hear the benefits that you get from listening to this show because it's all about your badass journey. All right, let's jump in. Welcome, everybody, to another episode on your Badass Journey podcast. Today, I have Emily Aliza Moyer with me. Welcome, Emily. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. It's so great to have you on the show because you talk about all things that I pretty much am obsessed with, which is, you know, intuition, career strategies, and healing, like all combined. But how did that come to be? I would love for you to share with our listeners your badass journey to figuring out this was your purpose and how you put it into practice daily. Yeah, sure. So it's funny, right? Like you don't actually connect the dots until you look backwards on your life and sort of see it all, see it all so clearly coming together. But um, so my journey started uh, back when I was a teacher. So my career started in education and I taught fifth graders in Houston, Texas through Teach for America. 
And so my whole world was in education right out of college. So I, I sort of still say that everything I know to this day, I learned in the classroom. <laughs> um, Fantastic. And it's true. I mean, right? Like teachers just are incredible. Um, and I mean, just from my own experience, I've just learned so much being in, being in that environment. But that was really the first time I learned that humans, no matter if you're 10 years old and in fifth grade or if you're an adult, we're all motivated by the same thing. We're all really motivated by this idea of purpose. So when my students, I, I did Teach for America, so that meant for anybody who's listening, I, I worked in low-income schools. Most of my students were at least two grade levels below where they should have been. So my job as their teacher was to catch them up and to basically help them learn two grade levels worth of stuff in just a year. So to motivate them and to keep them inspired and excited about the work that we were doing, you know, I had to really find a way to tap into that really deep source of motivation. And that was ultimately purpose. And so for 10-year-olds, you know, it's, it is the jobs, the things that they want to be when they grow up and the, you know, whatever that is, whatever that means for them, but really helping them connect the dots between the quizzes that they were taking and the standardized tests that they were, you know, going to be, you know, judged on or evaluated yeah. against connecting that stuff back to their their purpose right at that stage in their life. So that's that was really my intro to this idea of purpose. Fast forward, I, I made a really big career pivot, as many of us do, uh, into the travel startup world. So I ended up becoming uh, a salesperson, one of the first sales first staff members at a venture-backed travel startup um, called Remote, called Remote Year. Remote Year was a company that took remote professionals pre-pandemic. Remote professionals, right? Right. <laughs> You're ahead of the curve there. <laughs> really, we, I mean, a little side note: we used to just most of our business. So we took remote professionals on trips around the world. So that was that yeah, was our beautiful. Business. Um, yeah, for a year or two. So it was really amazing work. Wow. But most of our challenge was like trying to actually get people to work remotely back then, right? Yeah, not anymore. So no. everybody can work remote, but nobody can travel. Yeah, but, um, there'll be like a relaunch of that business happening. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Um, but yeah, that was kind of like my first introduction into really understanding that like not only do 10-year-olds uh, find their motivation in this like sense of purpose, but like so do adults. And so leading I grew a team from zero to 30 people, our, our team grew, grew like crazy most of the people, all of the people I would really say who joined the program were also sort of following their purpose and chasing this dream of being able to travel uh, and, and bring their careers with them. So all of that sort of really led me to see that your work isn't just work, right? That we're just not here to like collect a paycheck and die. Um, but truly that we can find really deep levels of fulfillment and meaning when mm-hmm. we actually are able to, to have that clarity of purpose. So that was like the career side of things. I will say for the intuition and healing side of things, like that is one of those things where the second you have that like spiritual, you know, breakdown or that moment when you just sort of realize that, wow, everything that's, you know, really meaningful to me in my life was stuff that my intuition led me to. Um, you know, I, I had that big moment, which I'm sure you did to create at some point. And that's, that's sort of what led, led me to I am now. I love it. And and in the work that you do now, as you call yourself a career strategist and helping people, is it is it a model of like helping people find their purpose? Like you you use what you did as an educator, as a leader of industry and the startup you were in. Like tell me a little bit about the practice you have today and what led you to actually use this as a service because you were 
you were doing it previously in other careers, but now why your own business, your own way of doing it? Yeah, absolutely. So I, so why am I own? So I, um, remote year was that dream job for me. So I like love, 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 love debt. But I still hit that moment where I was like, I'd been in it for a few years. I was feeling super burned out. It was startup life. I was literally working remotely and traveling the world. So I was in a new country every month and I just hit that breaking point. And mm-hmm. along with that breaking point was that intuitive calling of, I want to build something on my own. Nice. I really knew I wanted to just create something that was mine. So fast forward uh, as sort of the, the rite of passage, I think, of being American now is getting laid off uh, thanks to COVID. I got laid off and it ultimately was the kick in the butt that I needed to go start my own thing. I had already sort of started. I'd already sort of taken consulting clients on and it was sort of my, my last little push I needed to at least try on my own, right? So, um, and that was, um, that was about two years ago. So I sort of immediately knew like the day I got laid up, I was like, well, that's probably what needed to happen because it was I, remote year had been like my baby. So I was, I was in love with it and totally attached to it. And so the program itself kind of honestly easily came together because as you said, it was work that I'd actually been doing for about a decade. So what I did, and I was, I'm a teacher, right? So like my core skill is being able to figure out like, what's the transformation? What's the outcome that I really want to drive people towards? And how do I create an experience that's going to get them there? Right. And so, um, that's really where it started. It started with a boot camp that was one-on-one and I took people through it one-on-one for quite a while. And then one-on-one turned into group. And now it's a it's an online course that it's sort of a hybrid. So it's an online course that people move through with um, some live coaching as support as they as they move through it. So yes, it's uh, the curriculum itself is sort of it's been pieced together from sort of yeah a decade of of yeah. time figuring out how to help people figure out what uh, what motivates them and what they want their careers to look like. So how does it feel now building and running your own thing? Amazing. You know, I said when I first worked for Remote Year, when I first got that job, it was really my first big job that was a meaningful role, but was also remote. And so for me, that was like a huge step where I was like, I'm never going back, right? Like working remote, I was obsessed. It's sort of the same thing now. Like, okay, now that I'm my boss, like I don't think I can ever, I can ever go back, right? Like having something that's totally mine, that's like a you know, it's, it's like my baby. It's a cre- it's my own creation. And I just sort of continue to, you know, obviously, as you know, it comes with its own challenges being an entrepreneur, but, um, but there's, there's just no other way now. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I like to tell people that I'm now pretty much unemployable. Yeah. Like it's go, it would be really hard for me to go and be an employee for someone else's company. Like I would, I, there would be such a long list of demands for that to happen (laughs) because I, I mean, I've been in the entrepreneurial space for a while now and I had two different stints of leaving corporate, going independent on my own, going back to corporate, you know, and now this company and the way I run things now has been the last eight years. And it's, it's something that I just, people ask me that all the time. Like, would you ever go back? I was like, I would have to be a chief level running shit type of person to take a full time Mm -hmm. role with another company. Um, Only because it is the flexibility and the autonomy as well as the, the drive of strategy. Because, you know, you talk about being a career strategist and 
being intuitive about that process, I find that sometimes that's the crux of the problem in a lot of these environments is that they're not being strategic enough. And they feel like, and that's what this year I think has hit a lot of people with is that we are we being um, nimble enough to handle when there's a crisis or even a growth spurt? Like it's, it's the same kind of impact on a business, you know, to have to deal with it. But as an individual to step into that, the environment needs to be right, you know, to, to dial it up <laughs> and also have the space for healing and intuition, which you, you've integrated as well. Totally. Okay. So I have a quick question for you because yeah. I want to talk about strategy, but when you first went off on your own, you said you did a stint where you went back to corporate. Will you tell us a little bit about what that transition was yeah. and why you went back and then why you left again? Yeah. So it was, it was life transitioning was, was what was happening for the direction. So basically I was cusp of 30 um, and I was, I, I skyrocketed in this one company I was working with and I was very, very kind of, my reputation was good. I was an influencer in the space. Like all these things were really going well from a career standpoint in that specific company. But then when I looked at my life, I didn't have one. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like something's mm-hmm. got to give. And when I looked upwards for what that company was able to provide me, I didn't want any of that. Like I was like, I, I've, I've kind of outgrown this situation. So at the time it was, I was based in San Francisco for that company. And I had done prior to that, a stint for that company in Denver, Colorado and Manhattan. Like I was like, a, first I would call myself a bi-coastal bitch. Like I would, I would travel back and forth from coast to coast. Then Denver came on the map and I was like, this is nice. Everyone's so nice here. Like, uh, you know, and because I, I was so in my own head a lot and just very career focused that it was very transactional, highly relational, but still very like, let's get shit done. Right. And so I decided for my health and for a life, I was going, I resigned from that senior I was like a senior director of mergers and acquisitions. I think it was like, I really climbed quite quickly in my twenties and they paid me to stay a little longer because they were like, where are you going? What's happening? <laughs> and I just decided to go for it. And I, I basically moved to Denver. I bought a house. I moved to Denver at that time. And I was like, I, I assessed the landscape of the job market. And I knew that my skill set and what I could get if I were contracting or selling myself as the service versus going in full-time employment, I would have a higher cash flow selling myself as a service. So that's what I did. And I also wanted the flexibility to take care of my own health because I, I had ignored it for quite a while, a lot of issues up and down coming up. And I was like, I need this um, control of where I'm spending my time, what I say yes to, and also to take care of my health. So that that business lasted about five years. And I was based in, in Denver. I um, did local stints and then I did a couple away from um, Denver. And then I was in a relationship at the time, engaged, ended that engagement before I walked down the aisle. <laughs> like I had to change things up. Um, a year later, met my now husband who is on the East Coast. And I'm still in Denver. So it was a relocation back to New Jersey that then made me realize at that time, realize that um, consulting is saturated in the New York tri-state area and full time, but actually give me the stability 
to get married, focus on my marriage, have the relationship. So very intuitive in in the decision-making process. It was never about a pressure of what will other people think about me? Like I I could give an F about that. People Mm -hmm. who know me know that it's like, oh, you see what you get. If I want it, I'll go get it. Like Mm -hmm. it's not not about you um, in my decisions for myself. So then I um, took full-time work because that was what was best for the integration of my life into my career. And I like to say that those companies sponsored my wedding. They sponsored my honeymoon. (laughs) You know, like I didn't have to, I could take that time off and not have to worry about the hustle of like finding the client. And so then I went into a startup similar to you um, after... Yeah, I became, again, head of strategic initiatives. Like I, I'm a highly responsible person. So I will always put myself in leadership roles and like take a lot on because I have that capability. But when I did it under someone else's box, right? Like in their own container, I, sent, I, I, I started, it would break me down. It yeah. would be something where I'm like, I felt a loss of control in how I wanted to show up in those environments. So fortunately, I got laid off from that business. It was a startup that got sold Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. I always welcome a layoff. My listeners know this about me too, where it's like, take the money. Take the money and go figure your shit out. Take the money. gift of time and money. Right? So I got laid off. And then at that point, I, I told my husband, I was like, I just can't, I can't go back to that. I got to, I got to recreate. And I really enjoyed consulting more. Of course I had coaches at the time. I mean, I invest in my up-leveling all the time and that, that directed me to build back into consulting work. And then a lot has happened since, but those were the two, the two major shifts. And the reasoning was more about my alignment with where I wanted to spend my time, how I wanted to earn. And then make it all fit with the systems that are around me. You know, Mm. like that's truly what I believe strategic career management should be about. You know, it's like, how do you fit and align who you truly are, what you want to do with what's available to you? And is that going out and doing it on your own? Or is that within an organization? But whatever it is, maximize it. (laughs) You know, like that's, that's my whole MO. Totally. And I love what you said. It was, I mean, I love hearing you say that your full-time job sponsored all of this stuff because I always talk about how full-time jobs are really getting paid to go to school. Mm-hmm. Like when you're on your own, you're on your own, right? Like you got to figure out all this shit. Like you're not in school. Any, like you're in school. Obviously we're learning all the time, but like you're not getting paid. Like it's a totally different It's thing a different versus- kind of investment. It is a different right. kind of investment. You're always learning. There's a continuous exactly. learning process and everything you do. What happens though, I think for people who align themselves with a corporate system that is not growth related then what their education and their learning becomes stagnant. It's like taking yeah. 12th grade over and over and over, over and over. Again. And you're like, well, why am I not fulfilled? Well, it's like, well, because you should have graduated. You should have graduated like three years ago <laughs> and you're still doing this. <laughs> so, I love that. You know, like it's a, yeah. it's a whole different um, mindset on how you manage your career. So, And I think there's a switch that like flips at a certain point where 
you are, I sort of call it the passive to active switch, but you're kind of passive, especially your first few years in your career. Like you're figuring out more about what you don't want. Like it's a much more passive process. Like you are almost like, I almost literally see it as like you're in school and there's a chalkboard and there's a teacher. And then at a certain point, it completely flips and you become this active driver really of your Mm -hmm. career. Right. And I think that transition from like, Oh, I'm following what I'm supposed to do to, Oh, I'm actually figuring out what I'm meant to do and what's going to light me up. What's going to bring me fulfillment, freedom, et cetera, et cetera. I think that transitions where it's sort of like, okay, you've been in 12th grade three times. It's time to step in, spread the wings and fly sort of a thing. But yeah. Yeah, I've been in recent um, weeks. I've been coaching uh, people on that cusp of like the twenty-seven to thirty-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. That I don't know your your age range, but like it it happens exactly in right that time frame where you've you've been like you've been in in education, especially if you came up traditionally, like being told get your degree, go to college, then you find your job, then blah, blah, blah. And you're supposed to know what the hell you want to do with your life by the time you're 18, when you go to college and you get that degree and then you get out into the world and realize everything you learned in college doesn't even apply to your freaking job. And you got to go learn all those other things. Like unless you're actually a doctor or a lawyer where you have to actually put what you learn into practice, we're Mm -hmm. all making shit up every single day. Like it's all a bunch of making shit up. Like that is career life. <laughs> right? So so when you're in it that totally state, is. Yeah, so that age group I've been telling them, I said, "You know what? You're in the age of trading your time for money to learn." And if you are mm-hmm. not learning anymore, then you must go find another system to learn within otherwise, yeah, you're not going to be fulfilled showing up to it every day. These are your prime years. You have to leverage it. And then what happens at the cusp of 20 to 30, 27 to 30, that age range, because I, I know because it happened to me, you start to question. You're like, oh, I actually know some shit now. And I know what I'm really good at. And mm-hmm. I'm still compromising or accepting a system that might not fit me anymore. So how do I actually design and move into a system that does fit? So tell us some of your strategies, if that was a question from, from that group. Like what in your work, obviously you have your work to help people find their purpose. Do you feel like that's the guiding force before anything else? So tell us a little bit about your strategic work. If someone came to you with that kind of challenge of, I know I'm, I've outgrown this, it's time for me to graduate, but I have no idea what I'm supposed to do mm-hmm. next. So that's usually where all, all, everybody who finds me is exactly there. So uh, this is, it's interesting though. What I found before I jump in and talk about the strategic piece is the, it is really common at 27 to 30, but it actually can happen at different ages. It can happen at 25, Mm -hmm. it can happen at 45. And so I think it's more about like, there is this really common shift that happens. And it's in that particular shift where it's like, you're having this really big, you're asking these big questions for the first time, right? Yeah. Um, so it's funny when I started my this uh, my these programs and, and building curriculum. It was 
purpose was always at the core. And it still is very much at the core. Um, and I designed the process years and years and years ago on how to find your purpose. Um, and it was, you know, always what I used with, you know, my, my staff members at Remote Year and even with my students. I mean, it was, it was always the sort of core of how I helped people really figure out like what to follow. Because though we have, though I always say like intuition's your trump card, like intuition really should drive everything. We don't always exactly know. Like it takes time to build that muscle. It takes time to be able to trust that muscle, right? And so it's the purpose is almost like the analytical's mind of, of using intuition. So but the thing that I've actually more recently found in the last year or so is that in this particular stage of life, we quite often are actually being asked to heal a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and the way that I we know that we're being asked to heal a bunch of stuff is because all of a sudden, when you're thinking about, okay, like I know I'm ready to sort of graduate into the next chapter of my life, all these limiting beliefs about what's possible come up, right? And I'm sure you see this all the time too, right? It's like, well, that's not possible because of X, Y, Z, or I'm not good at this, or I don't have the experience for this, or like whatever it is, we sort of as adults, for some reason, many of us at least, we stop dreaming, we stop allowing ourselves to even just dream about what's possible. And we block ourselves with a whole host of limiting beliefs, right? So these negative thought patterns that really we, we, we believe are true, right? To a yeah. certain extent. And so where I really start now is with an entire module on self-healing nice. and really giving people the power and the tools to recognize like what's, what are some old stories that are popping up? What are some old wounds that are asking to be healed? And then once you sort of move through some of that stuff, then you actually allow yourself to actually get clear on what your purpose is. And you allow yourself to get clear and you do a lot of vision work on what your vision is for your life, for your career, all those things. And so I found that it's really hard to get really clear on that stuff, to allow yourself to want what you want if you are still really uh, feeling blocked by some of these limiting beliefs and negative thought patterns. So... Yeah, I would imagine you probably do something similar with your people too. <laughs> no, no, it, it, it's amazing because um, I think people neglect the weight. Like when when they feel heavy going towards something, it's because of a weight in their mindset that they haven't healed yet. And I love that you have a healing module to your program, or just just as a foundational item because. Yeah, generally, it's. It, I always say, and I think this is why clients are, are drawn to me or like when I get all these the similar questions is because I show them possibility, right? Like it's like you are your only blocker, truly. Like if I can do this, if I can come from where I came from and all my pain and all my heaviness and the way I drove, drove, drove for what I thought was a model of success, but that was killing me from the inside mm-hmm. out, and then shifted it on his head and designed the life I have today, you 100% are capable of that. Like it's, it is not that um, I have anything different other than the action to heal and then decide what do I want to allow in next. So I think that's beautiful from a, an approach to really get clear on purpose. I always say things like, well, what's the story you're telling yourself mm-hmm. right now? And then where'd you learn that story? And whose voice is like, it? Yeah. And is it, is it really coming from you? Mm-hmm. And it's also... So here's the other thing that happens, I think, too, in that age group of 27 to 30. It's like you start to become selective around who you're actually 
surrounding yourself and listening to. And, and because you're shaping who you are and you're realizing, oh, you know what? Th- those people in my life are actually reflecting my pain. So when I mentioned before, like how I was engaged to someone and then I ended it before marrying him and then found this amazing relationship later was that I was still in my pain story and he was 100% a reflection of my pain. Yeah. And then when I started to do the work on me and thank God I did <laughs> before mm-hmm. I got married, um, was that we were, I was able to see it so clearly because I did that healing. And it's the same for what choices you make in how you choose to earn because your career life, in my opinion, is how you choose to earn and who you want to impact. Like those, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. So it should be integrated into the rest of your life, but it all comes back to you. You know, and I, I think it's great that you focus that way. How did your, how have you seen your healing journey impact your business? Because this is, would have been the second time around, right? Like your healing chapter mm-hmm. happened in between the two stints of you being on your own. What do you notice? I feel like I'm constantly healing because we're constantly putting ourselves in situations to test our boundaries, mm-hmm. right? And those boundaries either create some sort of like, I never want to do that again, mm-hmm. or it creates a, oh, give me more of that, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you know, so healing for each phase of my journey, my whole journey has been a healing one. Mm-hmm. Like it, because it, it started so young, the conditioning that I was under and the lack of self-worth and self-love and, and the people pleasing side of me and all this, like I'm a, I'm a giver mm-hmm. at heart. So I was just completely taken advantage of in any environment I went to, because that's what I thought. I was supposed to do yeah. until I woke up and realized, no, wait, I got to love myself first. And, I, and doing that work allows me to this day stand and have conversations like this in a most transparent, trusting, truthful way because I have healed myself to know myself well enough. Where I think new lessons show up is in the exchange with other people in your life. Mm-hmm. So relational healing, I think, is something that isn't also done enough, you know, where it's like, just like you said, like, who's that story from or whose voice is that in your head? That's a relationship, um, energy exchange that requires its own set of healing. Uh, it's not just you, right? Which is sometimes what closes us off for trying again or putting ourselves out there because of one person's judgment of that we put so much weight into mm-hmm. as opposed to the self-judgment that we deserve to, to lift ourselves up, right? So healing has always been a part of my journey. It came out in both of my books. It, um, I share it here on the podcast even. Like I'm always in a, uh, I think it's perpetual, perpetual healing. I love that so much. Yeah, I mean, I think it is just, I think when you really, do you have a moment, do you remember, like, do you have a moment where it really like kicked off or like, tra- like you transitioned into realizing like, okay, I've got some real healing work to do? Oh God, there's so many, like, <laughs> there's so many, girl. It was deep. Like the, the pain and the, the yep. Yep. <laughs> it was so deep. Yep. You, you tell me yours. Do you have one? Yeah. Do you well, have so a pivotal moment? It's funny. So when people who I think have, you know, difficult childhoods, I'll just sort of say that. Yes. We know right? we had difficult childhoods. 
we know that at a certain point we're going to have to deal with some of this shit because we know it's going to impact our relationships, our lives, like whatever. And so I kind of always knew that I was going to, it was going to, it was going to catch up with me at some point and I was going to have to like really face it and deal with it. And so, yeah, I had, I had like a moment in when it was probably the second or third year I was working for a year, I too had Oh my God, the perfectionism, the people pleasing, the seeking approval from the boss. I mean, like the same, same shit, same story, right? I had been working 15 to 18 hour days. I'd been, right, as I mentioned, traveling the world, not taking care of my body, not taking care of myself, putting everything and everyone in front of me. And I, my body just like completely broke down one day and it all exploded. And I was like depressed in bed for two weeks, could not get up, couldn't, I couldn't stop crying. Like, and I was leading a 30-person international sales training around Europe for three months. And I was like having right. a full mental breakdown. So I was like, okay, we got some work to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, mine was definitely like a moment in time that I think kickstarted a lot of it. Not to say that I hadn't done anything beforehand, but it was really like the opener. And I find that it's funny. Like some, some of us have like that big moment where it sort of like puts you on a completely different trajectory. And others of us sort of like, it's like a slow burn almost. Like it's like this, these subtle things come up and you sort of realize, you know, over time you look back again and sort of connect the healing dots. But so anyways, I was just curious if you had like one big yeah, moment. No, I think it, I, no, I think it's a great perspective for people to even ask themselves as they're listening. Like for me, if I, if I think about the way my body started to react, like, yes, there was like an ER moment mm-hmm. that happened, but I didn't change my behavior. Mm. So but the thing is, is that when you're highly functional in your dysfunction, <laughs> which I was, and because I was trained to be yeah. highly functional in my dysfunction, that that's where the intuitive part that you're talking about needs to be dialed up to listen to the voices, the whispers, the pains in your body, the energy that drops when a certain, certain circumstance happens. And then here you go again, and you know it so well but you have yet to face it. I think those are the identifiers that we don't pay attention to enough. And it takes a big crash, like you felt, similar to mine with my ER visit, where um, we're like, oh, well, should I change something about mm-hmm. this? Like, Because I'm sure even in your crash, you just said it, you were concerned about your team. You were concerned about everybody else, but you literally being a puddle on the floor, oh. can't do it. Can't do much, but you were highly functional in your dysfunction. So I bet you had whispers of this previously that weren't attended to. And I think that is the lesson of getting centered and connecting with self and just facing the... It's something simple as this, guys, as you're listening. It's something simple as how long do you hold it in before you let yourself go to the bathroom? (laughs) That is dysfunctional. (laughs) Like... (laughs) I, right? So I was a Did teacher. Like I was, I literally would not right. go to the bathroom all day. So my first job out of school, I learned you don't go to the bathroom. Like that was what I learned. Right. right? So that, it's I ridiculous. Love that so much. It's ridiculous. But that's right? but, but, but you think but it's normal. And you think it's normal. And that's the thing about dysfunctional, right? It's like so dysfunctional. Yes. But it's like even yeah. this, you know, this cycle of burning out. Like I was t- I'd been in this cycle of burning out for like a long time. And I thought it was normal. Like I just thought all of it was normal. Highly functional in your dysfunction. Until you just sort of realize like, oh, like, no, I'm just completely disconnected from myself and my body and what I need and like all these things. And 
I'm living by everyone else's needs except for my own. But yeah. Yeah, because sometimes those are hard to face. If you were never given the opportunity, which is why like, mm-hmm. I'm similar to you. It's like, well, what do you really want? Oh, you don't know how to open yourself up to mm-hmm. what you want? Okay, then yeah, let's remove the layer as to why is that blocked? Mm-hmm. That is the one right you have in this world is like, tell me what you want, right? you know? And I actually remember childhood when people would ask me, what do I, what do I want? And I would answer with, I don't care. I would be like, what like, do you want? Whatever you want. Yeah. And then be like, I don't care. You choose. I don't care. You choose. And like, so my caring, my true self caring, of course, there was no self care practice because I didn't care. Like, there was, I was so numb, like you were saying. And so I love that that you draw into healing for for a lot of the foundational elements of who you truly want to be in your life, in your career, and how you stand in it. Because strategy doesn't matter. If you're not clear on the vision. It's so much easier once you are clear, right? Like strategy. Oh my God, that's aligned action. Okay, let's go do the damn thing. But if you're not doing the right thing, then like none of it matters, right? Like if strategy is not aligned to like what you actually want and how you actually want to create, right? Your life, it just doesn't matter. So that's why strategy is like the last step, right? It's like what action to take. Okay, we got a whole other stuff to do before we take any action, right? Yeah, I love that. I think it's really great to be able to share your method and models with the listeners and also just knowing on this dialogue how much healing was even created to give people permission to just face what's not feeling great right now. And then, and obviously you guys can connect with Emily because you know she'll help you find that purpose (laughs) and get that healing that you need. It, It is so critical, like you said, no matter what stage you're going through because I've been through several, but I feel like continuous continuous self-learning and development is, is like a month away flex <laughs> daily. And we can also, because I provide it and I learn from my clients mm-hmm. all the time and they're what they're going through and how they um, stand up in the world or what their woes are. And I'm an empath mm-hmm. too. So like I could carry it and I had to learn how to not carry uh, it. <laughs> and, oh yeah. And show up, show up in the hardest relationships for me that, that conditioned me in that way and shift that mm-hmm. like that, I would say it was a big game changer as well. But you said, you but know, you really a- simplified it. It's what, do, what feels good and what doesn't feel good. It, it's yeah. as simple and as just that. Notice it. Yeah. And just notice it. But like, for those of you who struggle with this, write it down, mm-hmm. pay attention. You're like, that doesn't feel good to me. You start to pay attention. You just write it down be like, mm-hmm. Oh, when I, when I actually got uh, showed up and I was feeling amazing and yet mm-hmm. this energy came around me and I saw myself like shrugging my shoulders, shrugging down and being like, get me the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't feel good. Write it down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, write it down and realize how do you not put yourself in that situation or what or do you need to it. say that you didn't say though, to that energy or whatever that person or whatever the situation is that ne- where do you need to find your voice? Like that was the other piece too, I think was a big healing for me. Is like finding my voice and that it matters. And I want to tell everyone listening right now, your voice matters, how you feel matters, mm-hmm. but it's up to you to be conscious of it, to tell other people. You can't live life assuming other people are going to guide you, guide your career, guide like how you step up into the mm-hmm. world. There is, it's, it's like, so it's like what you and I are talking right now about noticing what doesn't feel good and writing down what doesn't feel good. Like, for me, I didn't even realize, I just believed like there was just always going to be stuff that didn't feel good, right? So it's like mm-hmm. step one is acknowledging that 
if something doesn't feel good, that is a signal that there's something wrong or something's off or something's not working, right? Like actually training your brain to see the stuff that doesn't feel good as signals for something rather than just like repressing, numbing, ignoring, avoiding is like even like step one before even being able to notice it and then write it down and then do something about it. So anybody who's listening, like we're giving you the permission to see that those are just signals that you actually get to do something with and you don't have to ignore them. And it's not supposed to feel bad. Right. And make a list of the things that make you feel really good and do those Mm -hmm. more. Totally. So sometimes it's like, if you're not quite yet ready to face the things that don't feel so good, then at least add in the things that feel really, really good. And they will start to replace the, you realize that you have no time for the things that don't feel good. Like, if you're if you're unsure yet on how to manage it, right? Like yeah. that's another practice. I love that. Like add in all the good. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And and following what what's following what you're curious about, right? There's this whole yeah. I, I have a lot of clients kind of sort of come to me with this like guilt around having a lot of interests and like guilt around having like lots of skills and lots of talents and lots of ex- like different experiences. And that there's something bad about changing your mind and like liking something and then not liking it anymore. And like, again, that just goes back to what we're talking about of like, that is your birthright to like what you like, to want what you want, to explore different things, to change your mind. And you are going to change your mind a million times and you are going to change your path a million times. This is just probably, if you're listening to this, one of the first times you're actually stepping into that power and taking control and deciding what that change is actually going to look like. That's definitely not going to be the last. Yeah, so true. Well, this is so amazing, Emily. Like when people want to connect with you, how would you like them to connect with yes, you? Yes, my website's the best place, emilyalisamoyer.com. And on Instagram, same thing, emilyalisamoyer. So she says that really fast. It's Emily Aliza Moyer. <laughs> Thank you. It sounds like Emiliza, right? But it is. It's Emiliza. Yeah. I will have we'll it in the show notes. For but I just want to wanted to slow it down for you guys. <laughs> but connect really. And and if this is something that you're feeling called to get to get deeper into your purpose or just even figure out like what is your career strategy or feel like you need some healing, Emily is a person that will hold space for you, but also guide you through it. So thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing small portion of yourself with my listeners. I love to end the show by by saying thank you and allow you to ask a question where I can support you in anything going on either in your life or business that you would like either guidance on or breakthrough on an obstacle. Is there anything I can help you with today? So my question actually is um what is one thing? I guess let me give you a little bit of context. Yeah. Um, so my main my main product is my online course, which is as I mentioned, a okay. hybrid participants get live yep. coaching uh, throughout it. Um, and and like it's it's the product itself is great. Like it works. It's super transformative. And so I'm really in the stage of my business where I'm playing around with lots of different launch methods and sales funnels. And I mean, my background sales, right. And marketing. It's like, there's so many different options. And so like my biggest, you know, challenge and focus is always, okay, how do I want it? How do I build it? How I want it? And how do I really, how do I really build it in a way that's going to be able to continue to scale? Because obviously the more, the bigger it is, the more impact I can have. 
I don't even know if this is like a challenge, but my, I guess my question for you is like, what was, I'm trying to take less responsibility for moving people like, like manually through, like directly through my funnel via sales calls. Yeah. And I'm trying to automate more of that process in a way that feels really good for people who are actually moving through it. So taking me yeah. out and but really creating more of an automated funnel. So I think it's more just like, how have you done that? Have you done that? How has that worked for you? And or and or when you have clients who are coming to you and are ready to sort of automate and scale at this stage, like how do you Yeah. So um there are so many different practices out there for kind of evergreening your program mm-hmm. so that the scale the the automated sales cycle still feels like a lot of high touch mm-hmm. points depending on um, I don't know where, what the investment is for your program. If it's if you feel like the, it all it all comes down to the value of the actual program being clear mm-hmm. from the get up through your sales process, even through those automated touch points, along with the bonuses that you make it available um, to them to enroll. Now, when, you, when you're doing your programs, can anyone join at any time? Or is it something that you have an open enrollment and a closed enrollment cycle? Right now, it's closed enrollment, but I want to move to open enrollment with launches being sort of supplementary and launches being opportunities for additional bonuses or discounts or whatever, but having it mostly be open enrollment. Yeah. So then what I would do, I would, well, I personally like the open and closed cart method for online programs because you're building a momentum of um, point of entry and like what you can upsell from that to what's next allows you then to have open enrollment for different things. So what I mean by that is creating a sense of urgency is important mm-hmm. for um, for a, a purchase, right? Like people want to know that it's not always available to them um, because then they'll get on board. They need it right now. They'll face their pain, right? Like your your program could be speaking to people who have hesitation on how to make their next career move. I don't know the language you use, but something mm-hmm. like that. Where if you give them the opportunity that it's always going to be available to them. They might never buy it, but they definitely need you, <laughs> you know? So mm-hmm. I think um, I, I think an open you can do an automated open and closed cart and an automated launch series that allows you to have it over and over again, like whether it's you know um, monthly or every two weeks or whatever that looks like, and you're launching cohorts of groups that go through your program together. And then you can add bonuses like a one-on-one call with you, you know, things on top that expand potential access to you or an additional program you put together, like these small mini bonus programs, like here's the resume builder program and here's the, um, like how you shift what you did before to what you do next. Here's the LinkedIn profile update one. Like if it's really in the career space, the bonuses can be all about how once they figure things out through your program, how do they actually go brand and sell themselves, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, that's a, and if you're a great at sales and marketing, I think spending time in that arena, because that's what's missing in the market is, is a system 
that is really good for people who want to transition within careers on how to sell themselves mm-hmm. for that next career. Um, and I think those could be some really cool added bonuses that, again, allow you to evergreen. You could pre-record these things or the, the worksheets or the templates, and then you just automate you know, the sales flow of it once, once they're in your network. Yeah, it's an interesting idea, have it, because the you lose, right, that sense of urgency. I mean, theoretically, you lose a sense of urgency when you do open enrollment. But I hadn't really thought about the idea of having an automated launch, like an automated open and close. Because I'm like, I still want it. I want it relatively automated. But I still, obviously, like having that sense of urgency is really interesting within that. How How do you actually... So I guess you just create... Can you... Do you have an automated open and close for one of your programs right now? I don't only because I've uh, my time and ability to launch the kind of programs that I do. They're high ticket price items that require high touch point yeah. as well as as quali- qualification yeah. to actually get into my programs. Like I qualify people yep. for the work that I do, uh, but I but I but there are several ways you could do that. So an an automated launch series like from the the email campaigning, and you can easily outsource the team that does all the the digital marketing of things for you to get to launch. And then the open and close is just really setting the timer on when it, the enrollment, the cart is open and when the, the cart is no longer available. To that you person know, it's, it's, too. So it doesn't necessarily even have to be for like, it could be for a cohort, but it could just be like, you only have access to the to enroll in this course for the next five days, seven days, or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, for X for X discount uh-huh. or for you know, like you want to make sure that they they have the draw. But yeah, you could do it for the individual. You could also set the reminder emails, like when I don't know which system your your backend system is, but I, there are several platforms that actually that you can create the triggers of if they've mm-hmm. sat with an open cart and they haven't purchased, then you could trigger them for messaging, like. It's really about you. I would go 10,000 feet up for you, Emily, and say, what is the business I want to be mm-hmm. in? Where do I want to be spending my time? And what do I want to have as an experience that people know me for, or know my services for, and then design the frequency at which this is available? Because to have a coveted like time frame when your work is available to them and then thinking about the rest of the menu of items and services you want to provide, you want to figure out that the the life cycle of your clients and what's the journey you're putting them on. Mm-hmm. You know, and look at it as a whole. So, like, if this is your entry level program, then it's like they come in. Enrollment is open, similar to school, where it's like you know September and March. It's like open enrollment. You get into the program. And then here's the next level. Like, here's this is how you continue working with me. This is, you know, what's next. And and you align your enrollment windows based on the full experience you want your clients to have. Yeah, I like I like the idea of having yeah, the automated open and close. And it's like this hybrid of figuring out how to keep keep it keep the option open for people to continuously be coming through the funnel, but also building that sense of energy once they're in. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you. Thanks for sharing yourself on, on my show. And um, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for your question. 
And, and those of you listening, I'm sure you got some great takeaways from today's episode. So be sure to reach out to both of us. Let us know you're listening and let us know what your takeaways are. Until the next episode. Thank you. See ya. Wasn't that such a great episode? I know you got amazing takeaways from that. What I would love for you to do for me, if you can help me extend my reach, is go ahead and subscribe to the show so you get the latest notification and listen before anyone else. Also, if you could go ahead and post your review, your five-star review will help me get other people interested in this conversation and extend my reach of impact. Most of all, I would love for you to share this with your community. It means so much to me to have you as a listener and I would love to connect with you. So if you have any questions you would like me to answer on this show, go ahead and email hello at kareenwalsh.com and my team will make sure that I get your questions so we can get them answered on the show for you. Thank you so much for listening today and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.